Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. You know, we in the church talk a whole lot about discipleship, which is more than a title, more than a job, more than even a vocation. Discipleship is a way of life and living in love. It, truly, it's why we're here, which is the title of today's message based on a passage from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 16, and which begins with some thoughts on pastoral identity. One of the things that I have come to realize over the course of 35 plus years in this work is that it's pretty much a rare occasion when your identity is not wrapped up in being a minister. Not that this is a problem for me, mind you. Truly, I think you know that I love what I do. I can't imagine doing anything else. This calling to ministry is part and parcel of who I am. That said, however, I must confess that there have been moments when I have just as soon remained anonymous. Like, <clears throat> for instance, when you're all dirty and grubby and tired from having worked outside all day, but you still got to rush to get to the post office before it closes, only to be met in line by a perfect stranger who recognizes you as a local pastor and wants to know all about your church and, and, and all about you. Or like when you've been invited to a marshmallow roast with your kid and you end up at this event being cornered by two men from another church in another town who want you to settle a horrible dispute they've been having in their congregation about how much the organist shall be paid. <laughs> True story. And let's not even talk about those well-meaning people who wish to pick your brain about things relating to end times about the veracity of the, of the virgin birth and where Cain got his wife, all while we're standing in the frozen food aisle. <laughs> also a true story. You know, I actually think I speak for a lot of my colleagues in ministry when I say to you that this is why we all tend to keep a low profile while we're on vacation. And I know we're not alone in this need for some selective anonymity police officers, teachers, doctors, and all kinds of people who are ordinarily in the public eye, they all have the same kind of experience. All I know and all I have learned over the years is that being identified as a clergy type just kind of goes with the territory, and that's okay. Because by the same token, I've also discovered over the years that while you may be able to take the boy out of the church, it's kind of hard to take the church out of the boy. I remember a camping trip years ago up in the White Mountains with, with Lisa and the kids. And I was walking my daughter, Sarah, who was just itty-bitty at the time, to the campground's lavatory facilities. It's well after dark, so we're walking our way down the road with our flashlights shining, and out of nowhere comes this other little girl, who was not much older than Sarah, 
little girl who had somehow gotten separated from her mother in the darkness and was now unsure of where she was and how to get back to her campsite. And she approached me, and with a shaky voice, she asked if she might please walk with us. Because, she said, I got lost, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting pretty scared. <laughs> well, of course you can, I replied. And in my best daddy voice, I told her, don't worry, we'll get you back to your mom. After all, you know, it's really easy to get turned around in the dark, and it's kind of scary, but we'll find your mom. Well, that, must, that was probably all the assurance she needed because then the little girl opened up and told us her entire life story. <laughs> she probably shared much more than her parents would want me to know. That's when confidentiality kicks in, friends. But you know what? That was okay because as far as this little girl was concerned, we were old and trusted friends. That's all that mattered. Well, it ended up that since her mother was also busy out there in the darkness looking for her daughter, we managed to bring the two of them together fairly easy. A scared child was home again, safe and sound. A mother's panic was replaced by relief and gratitude. And in the process, perfect strangers had become, at least for a little bit, caring friends. Now, was this an official pastoral activity of great religious significance? No. Truth be told, that night I was probably more in a daddy mode than I was a pastor mode. But thinking back on it now, I realized that in the truest sense, it was ministry. In this case, quite literally, a ministry of love and light to the lost. It was a small moment. But you know what? It was one in which faith and kindness came into play in a real, in a, in a meaningful way. You see, Christian ministry is not so much a job, friends, as it is a vocation. It's a way of life and living and love. In other words, if you're a minister of Jesus Christ, you are always on duty whether you happen to be on the job or, or if you're on vacation, or for that matter, even when you are waiting in line in Market Basket. But here's the thing. Lest you think that this only relates to those of us who, who work in the church or, or perhaps have an REV in front of their names, understand that everything I'm talking about here applies to you as well. It applies to each one here because as Christians, ministry is a vocation that belongs to each and every one of us. It's a calling that touches all the other tasks and it provides the ebb and flow of our daily lives. No matter what it is we happen to be doing to earn a living, to raise our families, to it's all about the choices we make and the priorities we set for ourselves. Ministry is part and parcel of everything that you and I go through in our days so that it might be lived with some kind of dignity, some kind of integrity, and in service to God in Jesus Christ. Actually, when you come down to it, it is all about reaping whatever you sow, in the words of our text today. 
It's about doing this in the everyday of life. Doing what is right and working for the good of all. It's about bearing one another's burdens. Not as mere philosophy, but as a way that you really and truly live. It's about forgiveness, true forgiveness. And it's about the restoration of others in a spirit of gentleness. It is about viewing those around us not as strangers or as mere acquaintances, but as brothers and sisters to be loved and to be cared for in the same manner that Jesus Christ loved us. It's about bringing ourselves to people who need to hear the good news of God's kingdom, to hear it through our words, yes, but more essentially, by the example of our very lives. That is true ministry. It's what is sometimes referred to in Christian theology and in church practice as the priesthood of all believers. And friends, it's why we're here. Now in our text for this morning, Paul is seeking to teach the Galatians, in essence, how they should be acting toward each other. These new Christians in Galatia, you see, had a bent toward, shall we say, spiritual correctness. That is, they concerned themselves with staying wholly true to the law of Christ, almost to the point where they had become almost like the Pharisees. You know, letter of the law, unless, of course, it applies to me. They were devoted to doing everything right, spiritually speaking, but you see, they were doing it arrogantly. And, and they were doing it without really regard for their own behavior at times, but even worse, without any kind of sympathy for others. They were isolating themselves from the rest of the world. So the question that's asked in this test is, how much is too much? When does staying true to the gospel and to God's law, as important and essential as that is, get in the way of true faith. When does it get away with being who we do not want to be and risk mocking God in the process? What Paul seeks to remind them in this text is that our Christian duty, our vocation, our job, is not just to ourselves, though that is important, but also to others. We are called to bear one another's burdens. We are supposed to help those who have gotten lost in regards to their lives and faith so that we might gently lead them home. And we're to be generous with others, open and giving, without making everything we do an exercise in self-indulgence and false piety. You are to model your lives in true adherence to God's law. In the words of Sarah Henrik of Lutheran Seminary, you are to do what is given you to do on behalf of your neighbor, as God, on behalf of God's people, did what needed to be done for them. Because make no mistake, friends, God will not be mocked. Or as the message says it, no one makes a fool of God. After all, says Paul, we do reap what we sow. What a person plants, he will harvest. That's the message again. 
the person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. And all he will have to show for his life is weeds. But, Paul goes on to say, the one who plants in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. And isn't that what the kingdom is all about? Isn't that why we're here? The late Marshall McLuhan famously said that the medium is the message. He was referring to the massive effect of media on our collective lives. How what we see on a television screen or in the movies or in the papers ends up being what a great many people assume to be real about life living in the world. A theory I dare say that though it was first posited in the 1960s, has never been more true than it is in 2019. But may I suggest to you that it's also true as regards the church and its mission? Friends, we are called by Jesus himself to be about the business of God's kingdom. But if we truly want to do that, then we need to be living and acting and being as though the kingdom has already come in its fullness. Indeed, friends, we are the medium that is the message to a world in need of good news. We need to live a life that shows forth the truth that love is the only truly redemptive power. We need to order our priorities as persons and as a people so that others will not come to assume that the predominant culture in this world is one of manipulation, violence, and neglect. You see, if, if you and I are to proclaim Christ as the Lord of life, if we ever expect to change the world by Christ's love, then we have to be that change. We have to live unto the change that Christ has made in each of us. And sometimes that just comes down to very basic things. Does it not? Let me ask you something this morning. Can you love your neighbor? And I don't mean in a Hallmark greeting card kind of way. I'm talking, can you really, really love your neighbor? Are you able to do that? For instance, can you love that person and you know who they are? That person who just seems to go out of their way to be a thorn in your side. Can you love them? Can you love that person who has been very unkind to you? who's been out there talking and telling lies about you behind your back? Can you love the one who's hurt you, whose actions have made your life difficult? Can you love the one with whom you disagree vehemently? Can you love the one who voted for the other guy? Can you love them even when they haven't loved you? Can you love those who need that love the most? Can you love in such a way that everything in your life, in your work, is for the good of all? 
To quote Sarah Henrik again, such a life needs graciousness, perseverance, a constant cheerful sowing, and a refusal to judge on who is worthy of help and who is not. And we should also know that it's most decidedly not easy. But if we hear what Paul is saying here, what Paul is saying so emphatically, in fact, that he makes a point of writing in large letters by his own hand, as if to say, pay attention to this. This is important. Paul says, if we know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we also know that this is the life that's expected of us as his disciples. And we must not grow weary in doing what is right. It's why we're here. You know, sometimes you and I succumb to the temptation of believing that we can somehow compartmentalize our faith to keep it at a specific time in a specific place, to keep it contained right here within these walls so that we can take it out and use it, enjoy it, revel in it for a couple hours every Sunday morning. But folks, that's not the ministry to which we are called by Jesus Christ. It's not where the Spirit is leading us, which, friends, is out these doors and into our homes, out into our communities, out into the world, where we proclaim good news and where we work in every opportunity we have before us for the good of all. We have this ministry in the name of Jesus Christ. And even now, it's unfolding in the times and the places and the people of our lives. And who knows what might happen in this ministry we share. It's one of my favorite quotes from Frederick Buechner, and he says it this way. Who knows, he says, how the awareness of God's love first hits people. Some moment happens in your life that you say yes, right up to the roots of your hair, that makes it worth having been born just to have happened. How about the person you know who, as far as you can possibly tell, has never had such a moment? The soreheads and slobs of the world, the ones the world is hopelessly crippled. Maybe, Beatner concludes, maybe for that person, the moment that has to happen is you. Beloved, we must never grow weary in doing what is right. For at the right time, we will harvest a crop if we don't give up, if we don't quit. This is why we're here. And this is the vocation, the ministry that each one of us here share as believers and as the church of Jesus Christ. May we be blessed in that ministry, and ever and always may our thanks and praise be to God. Amen and amen.
And that's the message about why we're here. It was recorded during our July 7th service of worship at East Congregational Church. By the way, we're always here at East Church, even in the midst of these warm summer days that we have here in New Hampshire. We gather for worship every Sunday at 10 in the morning, and we'd love to have you join us. We're located on 51 Mountain Road in Concord, and I guarantee you that if you come, you'll not only be made to feel welcome, you'll also get a sense of spirit that makes our time together always joyous and exciting. I dare say it'll be the perfect way for you to spend a summer Sunday morning, and I'd love to greet you there. Well, that's it for another installment of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry. I thank you again for listening to this podcast. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day. Talk to you soon.